You're listening to The Brian and Gina Show, the official podcast of L.A. Magazine. Here are your hosts, Brian and Gina. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Brian and Gina Show, the official podcast of Los Angeles Magazine. I'm Gina Grad. I'm Brian Bishop. We have a lot of show today, some uh, weekend stuff. Um, Brian, I'm assuming a particularly tough weekend that we'll get into. And um, It wasn't that tough, but it was emotional. Okay. I, that I makes like, sense. Again, I would like to hear as much about it as you are willing to share. And then we are That's going all. to have... Oh, I'm well, done. then uh, we'll talk about my Santa pictures <laughs> for right. now. And um, we have a special guest coming on, Gloria Gifford. She's an actress. She's been in a million movies throughout, I mean, decades. We're talking 48 hours and like Spinal Tap and and... California suite. And she has a, uh, an acting conservatory here in LA. Um, Brian, talk yeah. to us. What do you want to know? So you were away this weekend. Um, oh you- God. I was so bad. Oh, sorry. I would, I would again, love to hear whatever you are willing to share. Yeah. Not very LA centric, but uh, I was, uh, away this weekend. Uh, my, my father's, my recently deceased father's uh, celebration of life. Um, I was, uh, I didn't know, if, it doesn't matter. I'm happy to do it. I didn't know if I was asked to host, but it became uh, apparent quickly that I would be the host. And Let's uh, see, who's I, the one with the most keynote speaking experience? Yeah, yeah, I think that was what it came down to. And um, yeah, it was a emotional weekend, as you can imagine. Also, a dirty and dusty weekend. Hey, here's something okay. listeners might be able to help with. Um, so I got up there a day early. Uh, well, maybe two days early. My dad's service is on Saturday. I got up the Thursday and hightailed it from my brother's house, which is close by um, to the service where my dad lives. He is uh, housing all of my dad's um, belongings from, oh you know, for exactly, which... Thankfully, has whittled down about 75%, which thank God for them, him and his wife and his family. Uh, but there's still some stuff to be sold, uh, gotten rid of, whatever. And my job, seeing as how it was mine mostly in, back in the day, was to go through many, 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 many baseball cards, uh. sports cards and whatnot. And uh, upon arriving there, I realized what a futile effort it was because there were so many, so many. Uh, I was like, I'm not, it would take a week. <laughs> of working every, every day to like go oh, yeah. through all these. And so I quickly discerned, all right, these, like this 75% of it, I'm not going to go through. I'm just going to leave it as it is. This 25%, I, I need to like look at and see right. if there's any, any worth keeping or, you know, some sentimental or whatever. Um, my point is, long story short, we are left with four um, you know, uh, full boxes, baseball cards, which I imagine would be, um, attractive to a collector or someone sure. who has a baseball card store. Sure. I'm not sure how to go about selling these. I want to sell them as one lot. I don't want, you know, piecemeal. Over got the it. Got it. Need it. Got six it. Six months. Yeah, exactly. So if you or someone you know, or if you just know this world and, uh, you are you have some tip on uh, selling these as a lot, or if you're interested, I guess if you're a collector, or you have a card store, or whatever. Um, contact me at Bob Brian on Twitter at Bob Brian on Instagram, and uh, let me know uh, the, your advice for getting rid of these. Um, again, they're going to make some collect collector very happy because yeah. there's a lot. But uh, yeah, I'm open to all any and all suggestions. So that was Thursday. Uh, I was up there before uh, Christy and my wife and Tess, my daughter, they came up the next night after school, Friday night, and the uh, celebration was on Saturday. 
Uh, it was it was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was in the Elks Lodge at uh, oh. Redwood City, uh, uh, literally up in the uh, in the woods almost. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it was a beautiful uh, setting. My brother and his wife and their friends um, adorned the place with uh, USC memorabilia and flags and whatnot. Made centerpieces, and there were ten tables of ten chairs each, and also an area that spilled out into a, a bar, which is appropriate. Um, sure. And it was a uh, SRO staying only. There was wow. a lot of people there, which, you know, my, my dad wasn't a public figure. You know, he wasn't like the people saw him in the newspaper and decided to come out and see what the hubbub was about. Right. Yeah, this is friends and, um, people, uh, there, you know, the family, really a large family. He was the youngest of four and my mom is middle child of five. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do the math on uncles and aunts and cousins, et cetera, sure. et cetera. And then friends and friends of friends. My brother had tons of friends show up, which was really nice. Like those friends of his knew my dad really well when they were like, you know, growing up in high school and whatnot. And uh, it, it struck me, Gia, I don't know if you've had this experience, but it was bittersweet for sure because I, I it was it was amazing to see so many people I had not seen in many years. Um, and then I was struck with the notion that, for a lot of these people, this would be the last time I ever see them. Mm, you know, yeah. I mean, like vis-a-vis my dad, or you know, just re- as it relates to age. Yeah, you know I mean? like and, they're and, in their sixties or whatever right. it is, or older, and if I only saw them because of my dad. You know, they're they're exactly. high school friends or they're whatever, and it's like, yeah, I I, I very much value the uh, relationship we had throughout my life, but that is probably over now, and not for any you know any bad reason, yeah. just. I live like, in LA and I'm in the Bay Area or elsewhere. Yeah. No, you're totally right. I, I, I don't think this is too strong a word to say. I feel robbed of that sort of funeral for my dad because it was during COVID. So we can oh, only right. have all, you know, dozen people at the graveside, which I, I always, I still feel horrible about, but it's true. I mean, like dads in so many ways are the linchpins to so many parts of the family. And especially that's his branch, the, 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 yes. his people. So it you're absolutely- over over. well, that the end and in addition to that, it came up over and over again, whether it was me speaking or someone else, you know, he, he brought people together and he, yeah. you know, he cooked and he entertained right. and that was a big part of his life, uh, you know, years ago, but it was a big part of his life. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of stories revolved around getting together at our house or, you know, uh, being, feeling welcome or whatever. Right. So it was, uh, it was, it was emotional, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I cracked some jokes, but I made some, some lighthearted comments. Yeah, We're familiar with you. Yes, yeah. definitely lighten the mood and uh, set the tone. And it wasn't, it wasn't a weepy affair. I promise you, I got, of all the uh, emotional moments, the tearful moments, I probably accounted for sixty percent of them myself. Um, the rest were, you know, fun stories and laughs and uh, memories and whatnot. So it was more of a celebration than it was, you know, a, a weepy affair. That's that's really nice. And I don't know if it's just me or if this is global, but the 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 notion, the idea of a celebration of life instead of a funeral, to mm. me, feels like a fairly new concept. Yeah, I would say so. And, and I think it's wonderful. I, a couple right. of my friends just did something like that. Even our small graveside service with a rabbi was like, you know what? Everyone grab a chair, bring it in. Let's just talk about Steve. Let's not get too yeah. 
you know, uh, formal. And so it sure. still has that. And I think that societally, it sounds like we're so many people are leaning toward that as opposed to what we think society wants from us, which is, is just the, just the saddest, most maudlin, most, you know, um, negatively cathartic, for lack of a better way to say it. And to be able to get that out is wonderful. And, but then to be like, you know what? This was a wonderful person and he would love us to have wonderful memories of him. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. Nice. I've said it before on our old show, but and various versions, but like in a hundred years from now, football, you know, as we know it, American football will be at best a regional sport, if not just not played entirely because of, you know, the obvious dangers to right. like, it'll be weird that this was so, so much of a big deal to a certain generation. I feel the same way about funerals, like yeah. traditional, you know, by the court, by the graveside right. or in a church with the open casket, like at best, I feel like it's going to be sort of a relic of a certain, yeah. of certain religions. Yeah. But otherwise it's going to be, like you said, you know, a celebration of life, a memorial, you know, let's get together and tell some stories. Like, yeah. I, I, uh, that feels very antiquated. It, it's true. And I, 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 as I understand them, like awake is like, that's where you sit around and eat food and tell stories and get drunk and talk about the person. And, you know, like sitting Shiva, eh, it's not exactly about sitting around and laughing and getting drunk. But, but I, I agree when you say like, it's more, it's going to be more of like a religious vestige. I think that that totally makes sense because yeah, I can see that. This, this is just about, the people that are left behind getting together and remembering a person they loved. Totally. And here's the real highlight of the weekend. So Tessa, my seven-year-old daughter, got to get together and play with her two cousins, my brother's daughters, oh. who she never gets to see just for distance. And they don't do a lot of traveling. Right. Uh, so uh, one is, I think they're nine and six. Ah, so uh, yeah, right in the middle there, I got to play the one. And so they spent the entire memorial running around like you know like outside like literally running and chasing hide and seek and so by the evening poor Deza was so tired she came home to my mom's house fell asleep and we're like oh i guess she's going to bed at six o'clock and uh, then woke up at like eight starving needed dinner gave her like some mac and cheese back to bed all night and uh, next day was oh. like get together at the cousin's house and they can play with their toys and everything. And that was, that was a dream for her. So yeah, that, it was a, a pack for her. It was the ultimate celebration of life. It was like, <laughs> yeah, let's celebrate this life. That's it. It's funny because I could between old school and new school, I could absolutely see parents being like, you sit there and you be quiet. This is a, mm formal event and you you were just not about that life it wasn't that and by one point i'm speaking and tessa just walks in front of me like oh there's my daughter i said at the crowd and uh a, a shout out to my brother and his wife and their friends who um uh got the place ready uh they had a separate table just for kids which really was just tessa her two cousins and her friends two kids who were there to kind of babysit they're a little older so uh the five kids at a little arts and crafts station with, you know, drawings and uh, pens and all sorts of stuff, which was very helpful. That's an incredible idea because the point isn't to make them act like tiny adults. The point is to keep them occupied in a smart way so the adults can do what the adults came there to do. So it's yeah, otherwise, they're just squirmy and they yes. want out. 
Yes. And you can't pay attention because you're the one pinching their, wait, uh, do we still do that? Or is that just our parents pinching What's their that? ear and threatening them quietly with, through clenched teeth? And No, I'm much more passive aggressive, passive aggressive about it. That right. said, I did warn my daughter ahead of time that, I mean, ahead of time, I mean, like for the weeks leading up, I'm like, listen, there's going to be a lot of people you don't know. In fact, most people you aren't going to know. Right. A number of them are going to come up to you and say, Oh my gosh, Tessa. Look how I you've grown. Seen, yeah. I was in you since you were so high or so tall or whatever. Everyone's going to know you, Tessa, and you're not going to know anyone. So it's going to yeah. be weird. But uh, just know that's that's about to happen. So she was mentally prepared for the emotional onslaught. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Smart. Because that is like something that I'm so, I'm holding a dog and that's why I keep like it. It feels like you're bending over. To like yeah. So it's because I'm here alone. I don't want him biting through any wires. Um, that is, that is a, a smart thing to prepare your kid for. And something I, I, God forbid, won't have to steal anytime soon, but it's true because that's another, um, not, not just a joyous thing for, you know, people to see when they get together at such a sad event, but frankly, kids are a welcome distraction. You know, oh, yeah. they're a memory, you know, they're, they're a reminder of what's to come. They're, you know, they're a reminder of sort of innocence and you could play with them and, you know, dry your tears. And so they are the main attraction. At, yeah, that at was nice. That's yeah. a welcome distraction. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you got through it. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. I'm great. Overall, it was a proper celebration. So nice to see so many friends and family, plenty of people I didn't expect to see. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, went about as well as you can hope. Was there anyone you didn't know that came and introduced themselves to you? Very, very few. I, I realized that between, it was either me and my brother, or my, maybe I guess my mom, the only people who really kind of knew everyone. Uh, there were like maybe a couple of high school friends who I didn't yeah. really know that well, but they were friends of friends. And they, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there were maybe two of those. But otherwise, I really did. Uh, maybe, you know, like if... uh a, a friend showed up with like a date or a wife. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they don't yeah. care. Aside from that, um, no. Uh, in fact, I even said that I was like, you know, my brother and I and my mom are really the only ones who know everyone. So if you see a stranger, you know, introduce yourself. Right? Yeah, like, you're all here like for the that. same reason. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, a couple personal questions that you can feel free not to answer. Um, did you or did the family do anything? cemetery related or no no i think i think the ashes of my 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 now uh charred father are oh, going boy. to be spread somewhere sometime but i don't believe any plans have been made a good friend of his has a boat on lake tahoe which is where my dad spent a lot of his parents retired up there i spent a lot of time there he spent a lot of time uh, there so uh, i imagine that will be in the plans at some point in the new year i, but, uh, I didn't know what the uh what the uh last request was in terms of that i don't know the last request was either but all i know is that i believe i believe we're in, in possession of his ashy remains will you be holding on to any of them oh no no, no. okay i don't I, I know they are honestly <laughs> no, like they could be in my brother's house or my Got mom's it. house. I have no idea. Well, you and I have a very good friend who I think has been public about this joke, but just in case she hasn't, um, says that her one of her parents' ashes are still in the bottom of her closet because she just doesn't know what to do with that. Hadn't got around to it. Yeah. So when I, I, was, I was first given a very dire uh, prognosis and was, uh, you know, finalizing end of life plans just in case, I did request to my. Then fiance that uh, she provide me with a Viking funeral. Are you serious? Unfortunately, 
unfortunately it got too close to uh, fruition that I had to put the, the stop to it. Okay, because I was I know your wife, and as much as she would hate it, she would do it. Yes, she said the exact same thing to me, which yeah. is, listen, if you really want th- this is six months in. If you really want this, I'll make it happen, but it is going to be a real chore. <laughs> I'm like, no, of course not. It's so ridiculous. Oh my god. And I was gonna wrap me in oily rag and then shove me off from this animal. Yep. God, there might be some uh, permit violations with that too. I was going to say, uh, freedom of religion only extends so far. <laughs> Not maritime law. Uh, and that's the other thing that your, your dad was, uh, lived his entire life, it sounds like, in a place that he, where he grew up, which is, which I guess is common. It's not common in my world. So that's kind of yeah, nice that everyone was there. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Aside from a, I think a short, Two years sojourn to uh, uh, Seattle, where he lived. There's a, this is a source of a lot of humor because he, his his one of his best friends from, best friends from high school went to play basketball at Seattle University. Um, yeah, I know. And uh, my dad um, went up there and crashed with them for two years because his the guy's roommate got drafted to the NBA. And nice. he's like, hey, I ain't got an empty room here, so come nice. on and live with me. And my dad did, and that was I think the only time he lived anywhere other than Northern California. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really count. I mean, it does technically, but yeah, if you want to, you know, sixty five of the man, sixty seven years, whatever it was, you know. Yeah, which is which is nice. Uh, I, I, we shouldn't. I don't think this is the proper time to say it, but oh well, convenient. No, uh, believe me. It's a, when you're at this stage, it's all about uh, nuts and bolts, X's and O's. And uh, yes, the uh, convenience <sighs> factor was uh, helpful. We had friend, wow. we had family coming from Canada, though. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's oh, right. I forgot your part, Canuck. His whole family, yeah. The that's whole side of the family is Canadian. And sorry to keep doing this to you, but is is Mean Grandma still alive? Oh no, no. Oh. Mean Grandma was the first to go. She, 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 um. She, his mother, my grandmother, who loved and adored me and was very nice to me, but was mean to everyone else in the world, uh, is my mean grandma. And, uh, yes, she, she died when I was in high school. She didn't take care of herself. Her, uh, she, she salted pizza. She, uh, what? kept a, a box. She loved a pre Costco. She loved going to the price club. Sure. She would get boxes of Milky Ways, put them in the fridge. Nice. She, she, she has been documented as yelling at, uh, at, uh, my dad's friends who would take Milky Way bars, uh, you know, unbeknownst to them sure, out of the sure. fridge. So, uh, she would keep those, that and a sprite with a, uh, straw in it was her like lunch. So was she diabetic? She probably was trying to make herself. <laughs> um, did you say she would salt pizza? Yeah, she would. Her, she, her, she, her treat for me when I was growing up at like six years old were peanut butter and butter sandwiches. I was a chubby kid as a result. Was she high? Was she into? No, yeah, she ate like a stoner, but she was pretty straight laced um, and mean wow. to other people. But, Peanut uh, butter and butter. Peanut butter and butter. And lest you think it was the all natural peanut butter. No, it was like Skippy or Jeff or something. I am so grossed out that I may have to try it after this show. We should have an episode where I tell stories of my mean grandma. Yes, she did yell at one of my dad's friends for taking a Milky Way bar out of the fridge. You know, amongst the 25 bars, you couldn't take one. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, she would, she loved uh, card games. She loved to gamble. Um, uh, had a low level gambling addiction sure. and would, uh, w- w- would, would not play any card games with kids uh, in, in her family, our grandkids, you know what I mean? Because yeah. not because she was a purist or didn't want to, you know, infect our innocent lives. Uh, it was because the kids made too many mistakes and, and ruined the game. So totally. uh, at a certain point, she would get roped into a game with the kid once a year. And uh, the kid would inevitably, maybe with me, maybe with my brother, would inevitably, you know, spill milk or something right. or deal with a turn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something yeah. like that. Yeah. And she would just ex- explode with rage. She goes, this is why I don't play with kids. You you got to be a little bit of an addict to take it that seriously, which I appreciate. I, I, I appreciate it too. I don't see it that way, but you know, when when Tessa misdeals and you know, oh. I, I I do have that little twinge of this is why I don't play with kids. <laughs> That's so funny. I I think it was two years ago when when my stepson was six, I introduced him to blackjack and got poker chips and everything to help him learn add in his head quickly. Yeah, of course. And I kind of feel like that was genius of me. It was great. Um, my uh. My cousin, who was a math teacher, uh, would often use uh, cards and gambling to uh, explain math concepts, and it worked very well. I think it's a great idea. Well, we're glad you're back. We're glad it went well, for lack of a It did go well. Thank you. And that you, you know, you feel you're you're getting toward that closure that whether you've, whether you think you have it or not, it just, it's a, it's a horrible feeling and it takes as long as it takes. It's true. I mean, I have the benefit, I guess you could call it that. Uh, my dad passed away in August. So here we are in December and uh, this all went down. So plenty of time had passed. Yeah, that is um, in major opposition to the Jays. I, I think we're at like 48 or 72 hours. We, we, we turn them and turn them around. So that's, I think there's benefits to both, actually. I agree. Um, but I'm glad you're okay. I know it's hard. Thank you. It sucks. And I keep, I always have this image and I may have said it before, but yeah, have you seen those images when they talk about grief in like up with a ball in a jar and they go, it's, it's not that the ball, the ball of grief ever gets smaller. The jar just gets bigger. The grief oh. is always the same size, but like our world and our perspective and our healing all kind of grows. Right. And it, the grief is the grief, but it's, I, I, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, you've said enough. <laughs> How was your weekend? It was good. Uh, <laughs> uh, tell me about the joy you experienced. Well, I'll just give you a couple of highlights. We, uh, we, we did our Santa pictures with a twist this year because I am, I am the evil wicked stepmom that you've heard about in, in folklore. Um, but apparently it was like, the only person a problem with it was my husband. My, my stepson was down. Um, I decided that I was going to get us all matching pajamas that we were to wear in public to get our pictures of Santa this year. And look how adorable we are. Um, it's, I thought it was a great idea. I thought we were just cute as a button and maybe we have a pick, maybe we don't, but, uh, we're all in matching black and white checkered pajamas. There we go. And you tell me, Santa looks chill. Santa, that's one of the only. Speaking of which, that's one of the only pictures of Santa with his eyes open. So oh, it was Santa clear. Was very chill. It was clear to my eight-year-old that this was one of Santa's Santas. This was right. a Santa, uh, you know, unlike the Santa that your daughter experienced. Yes, which may have been the the real one. Right. Um, this is how. Now we talked about how wicked and evil I am as a stepmother for making us all wear this in public at the Santa Monica, uh, you know, Third Street Promenade. But 
here I contend that I'm actually awesome because if you can tell the one thing in the picture that is not like the other is my eight-year-old stepson is in sweatpants. Yeah, he's wearing blue pants or dark pants. Yeah. Now, he had matching pajama pants, but I felt that since kids' versions of clothes are always tight, they're like tights, you know, like kids, they always, they don't, like, okay. they're always like tights, um, you know, cause they didn't have the button down version for him. They just had like the little kid version for him that I was not going to subject him to wearing super tight pajama pants, A, in public and B, for our picture. Sure. Now he looks at it and goes, where's my pajama pants? I thought, are we doing this or are we doing this? And I said, kid boy or boykins, it's now, um, morphed into sometimes spoykins. Um, here's a deal. I get it. And I love your Christmas spirit. And I love that you're down with the team. But it, when you get to be 10, 12, 14 years old, you're not going to, when you see this picture, you're going to be very mad at us if we allowed you to wear those super duper tight pajama pants. <gasps> no, I love, I want to wear my pajama set. I go, I get it. And, I, and I'm sorry that I've let you down, but I, I tried to do you a solid on this one. Do you think I did the right thing? I think you did the right thing. Uh, it's the intention. I remember I look at the picture out of that memory forever. So yeah. you, you did it good. Thank you. Because yeah. I'm not going to show that off to like girlfriends and stuff with him as like little like tidy, you know, ballet. Yeah. Pants. So yes. I, I thought I was doing him a solid, but this is something, this is a great thing for everyone in LA. If you are, uh, visiting Santa Monica, if you're walking around, you know, you do the promenade or you do the pier or whatever. Do we do this every year? It is free. It is right outside the Nike store, right there. And I guess it's called technically the mall is called like Santa Monica Place. Do yeah. not sleep that's on the, the mall ornament. at the end of the, that's the mall at the end of the world. Correct. The, uh, promenade. Where all the parking is. Don't right. sleep on the ornament. It makes such a great picture. Oh, yeah. As the kids say, you know, very Instagram worthy. Oh, nice. It's the best. It's the, there's a giant light up red and gold ornament that we love. There were two sort of, I don't know, maybe, college age girls, maybe high school seniors sitting there, these girls. And I was like, I have a question. I'm wondering like, oh yeah, no, sit here so you can take a picture. And I go, and I'm, she goes, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the, uh, the, the picture. And I'm and, and, like, so of course, like they're, they're gen, let's see, they're not gen Z, are you gen Y? What's, no, I don't no, know. No, what no, are 18 year olds? But they're so, they're so good. The TikTok <laughs> Gary, generation. Gary, how dare you? He called them assholes. No, they were so sweet. They knew exactly how to take the picture. She was wonderful. And yeah, you can see the, the Nike swoosh in the background. So you know exactly where we are. Go take a picture inside the ornament. It is delightful. So, so nice. it was nice. Um, the next thing is very hard, as you know, for us, very hard for us to find anyone to watch my stepson, watch our sure. kid when he, we have him. We don't have babysitters. We don't have them anymore. We had one at one time, one time. Scared so exactly. We just have never done it. We're just not, we're, we're not like, pioneers or homesteaders. It's just, we just never done it. So we have one option and it's his, his BFF who lives on Fairfax, like in LA. If they can play together that night, we can get a night away, which is right. why we are still uh, unconfirmed for your party because oh, we right, he hasn't yeah. told us if she, if they can play that night. So long story short, drop him off. You guys are go, go have fun. Bye. Our friend, held a beautiful let's say hosted a beautiful dinner at Musso and Frank's oh nice and uh, a great time was had by all we all got all spiffed up and LA got, institution yes Musso and Frank's and by the way it was hopping Saturday oh, really? night not a seat was empty let alone a table 
I imagine they do very well in the holiday season. Yes. And I feel like it's now I'm not judging. I'm just I am profiling, but I have no opinion on it. I did see multiple people come in with like fanny packs. So I feel really? like it's gotten, oh, it's gotten out. Trade. Yeah, which is great. You know, it's on Hollywood Boulevard. Stop in for a, a you know, a beautiful meal. And yeah, but it was yeah. just I think it's a really good cross section of like locals and non-locals. So yeah. It was it was great. We were in a private room and it got loud. We always oh. call it verbal hunger games. I told you about Thanksgiving. There's no volume control with anybody I know, That's including true. myself. So we we were in there. I I've become ravenous, also as you know, for steak. I had sure. steak and you got a taste of meat. I am I I dream about it. When I'm done with the steak, I want another one. This was Musso and Frank's. <sighs> That's filet a mignon. Yeah, that's right. Tender like butter. I'm seeing a lot of Jew, a lot of Jew. So much Jew for this Jew. And I ordered mine. Thank you, Gary. Executive producer Gary for this show for telling me this magical phrase I did not know existed. Keeps me from getting super embarrassed. Oh, medium medium plus. plus. Yeah, nice. And somebody else ordered it that way. And I was like, oh yeah, that's just how we do it. Not no, they didn't know that I just heard that term. It was perfect. It keeps you from being embarrassed. Like, I don't know, just chart, 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 chart. So you're getting it. It's still a little pink. Is that yes, it doesn't works? bother me when the juice comes out of the steak? I don't want to see red. Fair. Too freaky. Not interested. And I love steak notes. All I care about. So you taste your blood. blood. Uh, it's taste for you. I have a taste for Jew. I'm obsessed. In fact, I have such a taste for Jew. I wasn't going to mention this. I, I made myself a little st- sick last night because I put a tenderloin in the crock pot. And um, when I when we were done with dinner, there was a lot of Jew left. And I put it in a bowl and like a mug. And I was like, well, this is soup, right? Yeah, and I drank, it's stock. Yeah. I drank it. Okay. I mean, like that's the, good. That's a good way to get protein. It's a good way to, if you're sick, it's a great way to get the salts and the sodium. You know what else it's good for? What's that? Eat, drinking. Well, first swelling you up real good and then cleaning you out. Oh, interesting. And he was know. like, what's wrong with you? And I kept shouting, I thought it was soup. <laughs> Goes right through you. Pretty gross. Ew. But I wouldn't rec- Well, here's the thing. It's delicious, but it was so salty and it was just yeah. salt water. And I was like, I feel very good and I am very swollen. I need a cut, man. And then I was like, oh, my stomach hurts. So I'm not recommending it, but it, it that is, I just wanted to give you another example of how much of a taste for blood I have. That's interesting. So I'm no, I'm no scientist, but like, like if you uh, were to ingest saline solution, which is like, you know, just water and, and a lot of right. salt, I assume. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to make you very, it's going to make you go. It's a brine. So now it's, when, yeah. when people talk about colonoscopies, which I, and I already have the juice, whatever the hell you get for it. Uh, just have to reschedule oh, my save, save the, uh, save the, uh, sodium nitrate or whatever it's called, the magnesium <laughs> citrate. citrate. I got yeah. this. Keep your milk of magnesia. I got my bone broth. I would much rather drink beef stock than whatever. Cause I was getting, oh, a- yeah. I was getting blood work and the woman was like, ah, you're fine. Ah, nothing's a big deal. Ah, everything's easy. Ah, da, da. And I told her about the co-op. She was like, oh, girl, good luck getting that shit down. And like everyone, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare is what I how, hear. 
Having done it once, yeah. I didn't find it that bad, but really? it's, not, it's not it's not fun. I wouldn't I've not done it on like voluntarily. <laughs> it doesn't taste like a melted otter pop or something delicious. Well, I suppose it depends on what your doctor tells you to take. I went with this is fuck. This was two thousand six. No. Four or five. Really? I went with the old. Yeah, I had a gallbladder surgery. In my oh. it up. Um, I had. To, I drank the old school um, magnesium citrate. Right. Tasted like uh, flat or barely bubbly, like you know, Seven Up. You know, and if if the balance if the balance is off, but uh, you know, again, not the worst, but certainly not enjoyable. Well, everyone just talks about the viscosity, which I am not interested in. And oh. you, you can take your viscosity and shove it where the colonoscopy goes. So, you know, so, so it's interesting. I wonder if that's barium because that's like re- reactive to like scans. I have no idea. Mine was like a fizzy liquid. Mm, okay. So I don't know. If, I don't know. If, literally, no pun intended. I don't know if shit's changed in the uh, <laughs> last uh, uh, 20 years. Well, we'll find out at some point. Because, yeah, soon enough, right? Yeah, I, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I even asked. I go, oh, I heard we're supposed to ask about a pill, like instead of the drink. Oh. And he goes, I'm sorry, wh- what, what are you talking about? I go, a pill. There's a pill. He goes, did they? Did, were you under the impression that it's one pill? I go, yeah, you just get a pill. No, 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 no. It's a series of pills. Over and the, 24 hours. And the, and the amount of, of water you have to consume oh. to, to activate said pill. He goes, just drink the thing. And I go, Oh, and now would be a good time to tell you, I can't take a pill without food. And I don't mean like for stomach issues. I mean, like even as a fully grown adult, I have to like pop a cheese it in and be like, I'm just eating a cheese it. Oh, how'd that yeah. get in there? Cause I hate swallowing pills. You have to fool yourself. I still do it. I, I still like remember Nuprin? Do they still take Nuprin? Uh I, I remember it from Wayne's World. Little yellow, different. Yeah, that's right. And the whole point of Nuprin is how pea sized it is. My mom would be like, just take it. I go, cut it in half and we have a deal. Yeah. Dude, it's so small. I go, yeah, heard you. I understood. Agreed. Yeah. And and I can almost get this down if you cut it in half. So I'm glad that this took a a, a turn right inside my GI tract. Uh, that'll, that'll be for another weekend recap when, um, you know, I'm forced to do the, do the, um, the TV show from inside. Oh, fun. Do you get so, a, do you, do you think they give DVDs of like the movie? I assume now it's all digital, all like, you know, private, very private link, password protected. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I, I have been told that you can access, uh, the video of your scan. Okay, because I want to go full inner space with this thing. I want to see the whole vibe. Um, good. Okay, so I I don't have anything else to say about this. I I I think we should move on. Yeah. Fair. Agreed. Okay. So let's take a quick break, very very quick, and uh, we will be right back with our guests. But before that, let's give a little shout out to our favorite jewelry collection. everybody, what's up? It's Gina Grad. And when you're searching for the perfect piece of jewelry, it can be hard to find a brand you trust. Alex and Ani has been creating meaningful jewelry for over 20 years, designing pieces that connect you with all of life's important moments. With an emphasis on value, there is truly something for everyone. They've recently launched their everyday collection, 
I could not love it more. These pieces are made from stainless steel and an advanced water-resistant plating method that doesn't tarnish. It has the look of real gold. It's beautiful. I love these pieces because they feel so classic, but they have so much versatility. Alex and Ani are also featuring some gorgeous pieces that I have right here, like Black Lotus, this gorgeous Black Lotus charm necklace, and their Stay Wild pendant, and their Wings of Protection necklace that have a classic and vintage feel. See that? And of course, you can't forget their signature bangle bracelets, which I'm also wearing. And I have a lot of their stuff. I have the numerology bracelets. I have the hula dancer to commemorate a meaningful trip I took to Hawaii. From classic to bold statement pieces, Alex and Ani makes it easy to sprinkle your personality into each piece or make a truly meaningful gift for someone you care about. Meanwhile, you can take comfort in knowing that you're shopping with a socially conscious brand. As Alex and Ani has donated over 60 million dollars to nonprofits worldwide, connecting fashion and philanthropy in an easy, fun, affordable way. Right now, Alex and Ani is offering our audience 20% off. So check their gorgeous collection out at alexandani.com and use the promo code Midas. That's M-E-I-D-A-S at alexandani.com. Use that promo code at checkout for 20% off your order. Come and get something beautiful. Okay, be right back. All right, we are back. Okay. We are we are back on the Brian and Gina show. So happy to be here with the oh nothing, the Gloria Gifford. Gloria, <laughs> Thank hello. You. Thank you for being here. I, I'm happy to be here, and I'm sorry that you had that gallbladder problem because I had it too many years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, gallbladder. It, it's the worst. Did it keep you up at nighttime? Horrible. Yeah, I used, it was really bad. I had to go to the hospital many times because I was in so much pain. But I finally got rid of it with um, a gallbladder uh, flush. Oh, well, and that, that was, was like something. Yeah, I, yeah, it was a holistic. Uh, it was an acupuncture doctor, oh. and he told me to do this holistic flush, which was like ginger and olive oil and lemon, whatever. You can actually Google it, and it really worked. I ha- uh, knock on wood, I haven't had a gallbladder attack in like over twenty years. Wow! And Good I never you. had it taken out. Yeah, that, I never, that, I never did. That combination also sounds like a delicious salad dressing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I'll tell you what it is. If you ever feel like your stomach is really, you're going to have that problem, you ask for a tablespoon of olive oil and some lemon juice and you squeeze a lemon and it goes away. Oh. Amazing. All right. Well, and I'm, it worked for you. Just None trying to help you there. But we <laughs> love that. Thank you. So you have been in... And, even though like, you know, women don't like commenting on their age and you know what? We shouldn't have to, but is it, is it appropriate to say that you have been in the business for a long time? Yes. I mean, and I don't have a problem. I, as I said before, uh, you know, I've had to fight black, you know, racism and, and I've had to fight, um, you know, uh, sexism and now it's ageism, but it's okay because last year I did get to do Abbott elementary and how I met your father. And so it means that the industry is still willing to say, come on aboard, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, just to give some of your credits and, and they are substantial doing California <laughs> suite with Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby and Halloween two and spinal tap and then a ton of TV, you know, hanging with Mr. Cooper and life goes on and Abbott elementary and how much about you, you've, you've spanned 
a, a great career. I mean, a, a major amount of decades together. <laughs> major amount of decades is right. <laughs> I was very lucky. I'm a New Yorker. I'm born and bred in New York, born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. And I got my start. I got a Broadway show. Uh, it was a classic. It was based on The Merchant of Venice. And I was actually discovered by Bill Cosby because he's the one that um, uh, got me to Herbert Ross, the director of California Suite. And then I got to come out here and do Cal- uh, you know, California Suite with Richard. And then I got to accept the Golden Globe for Maggie Smith. Then I got to go to London and give it to her and, uh, you know, at the royal premiere. And, um, you know, it, the beginning of my career was extremely exciting and auspic- auspicious that way. I was very fortunate. I was able to I had worked really hard and um, it was Broadway to 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 California. And then I did a play in London for a year and then I came back and then I was dead. Nothing happened (laughs) for a minute. And then, and then I started working. I did uh, the incredible Hulk and Quincy and then Halloween too. And then it just kept going from there. And I was very fortunate. I studied with Milton Katsellas at the Beverly Hills Playhouse. So yeah, I was going to ask two questions. One, did you take acting classes? What was that like back then? Oh yeah. Oh, I started in New York at HB Studios with Walt Whitcover, who was a great teacher. Then I studied with Michael Shirtliff, who remained a lifelong friend. He wrote the book Audition. Uh, And then I came out here and I was with Milton Gonzalez for over 19 years. Wow. And And then I started teaching for Milton. Yeah. Okay. So good. Then back then going on auditions, I imagine the path to success was very narrow, right? You had, it was, it was the, the, the classic story. We all know you go on auditions, you give me a set of headshots, whatever it is. Like you, was it the one way to get to, to make a living out of this thing? Yeah, that was it. I mean, it was the eighties in, in Los Angeles, you know, which now is like saying the 19th century, but it was the eighties in Los Angeles. And, you know, you had to drive everywhere. I didn't know how to drive. That took a year for me to figure that out. And then, um, uh, you know, you had to go and meet in person and bring your headshot and all of that. And, but I'm good in person. I'm okay. You know what I mean? I, I like people. I like to talk to them. And, uh, you know, it was, there were a lot of beautiful girls out here and uh, a lot of hardworking women, many of them who are still working. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a very exciting time to be an actor in Los Angeles. That's how I felt about it. I don't want to put you on the spot. I still did a lot of theater. Of course. I don't want to put you on the spot. I didn't prep you for this, but off the top of your head, how have things changed in terms of you can make a career out of this these days, this way, this way, this way, and this way versus back maybe in the 80s, there was kind of one path maybe, but you tell me. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what you're saying is so right. I think it's gotten better because one of the things that happened during the pandemic, yeah, it was a pandemic. It was horrible and we were stuck in our houses, but I was teaching on Zoom for two solid years and I was teaching people how to use that camera and how to make sure that they were going to be able to, you know, get the best out of it. And so many people from all over the United States and the world have gotten jobs through self-tapes. And so that never would have happened in the, you would have had to have been here and gotten there and parked and got on the lot and do all that. And now, I mean, I was, I did it when I did the, how I met your father, there was a young British actor on there. He said he wasn't, he was 
out of London at his family's home, was told to do the self-tape. He did it. Next thing he knew, he was flown to Los Angeles and he's on a series. So, you know, I think in a way, in a way, it's opened the doors for more people. That's what I think. Yeah. And and I don't think we're going to go back to all everything in person again it hurt casting directors because it it really did it it messed with their jobs and that's not nice because we need them desperately but um but for for actors it gave everybody you know it kind of opened the doors more yeah and i mean they between you know travel being more accessible and everything the world's just gotten smaller in a a good way and i'm wondering this is so interesting about we all had to pivot to Zoom and nobody knew what they were doing. And and finding that bright spot of I taught these people how to use a camera couldn't be more important in your industry. But I'm wondering, I'm just wondering from a theater standpoint, did you feel like there was an obstacle of um of 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 broaching that intimacy when everyone's just sitting in their house? No. What what we found out was is that uh you know, theater just says use your imagination. And what happened with the camera? It was it was just use your imagination and lower your voice. That's all. <laughs> That's all. We did a lot of we even did a play on Zoom uh at the end of the pandemic. It was very successful. And what we found was, again, I had a girl in Italy and a guy here and we set up the backdrops and it looked like they were in bed together. And they did. It was love with the proper stranger. And they did it. And it was just, you know, it, it, we found that our our the energy and intensity you have to have when you're on stage. You didn't lose that. You just got a hold of your bedroom voice you know you put your bedroom voice in and but you didn't but you didn't get boring or crazy or anything what happened here okay there you go uh does that make sense it absolutely yeah you can see it now when you see the gilded age that show if you've seen it everybody on that show is a broadway actor and they're handling that camera just fine (laughs) you know and you know and, and so that's what you you know that's what you learn to do Yep. So when did you start teaching, acting, coaching, whatever you want to call it? And when did you start the conservatory? I assume those are two different things. Well, you know, I, I, I was, it was 1984 or 85. And a friend of mine was teaching kids at a, a place and she needed me to come in and uh, take over for one day because uh, she couldn't be there. And I came in and um, I did it. And it was so successful that the owner of the school asked me to come back and start doing it. And so I started teaching kids. And um, I was working with teenagers and kids for a long time. Um, on Sunday, I would have a class or Saturday afternoon. And because it just grew and grew. And then uh, in like 93, Milton asked me to uh, teach uh, at the Playhouse and to teach grownups. And that was the first time I was really teaching grownups. And then I was teaching that till around 98, 99. And then I opened the conservatory around 99, 2000, somewhere like that. So what do you prefer? What do you prefer, the kids or the adults? 
Well, you know, that's a loaded question. I love the kids. Uh, kids are so open and wonderful, but you have parents. And when you have, uh, when you have uh, backstage mommies, oh, they can, they, it's like you're giving all this love to a kid and then they get in the car and the parent undoes it, you know, sometimes. Yeah. If you have a great mother, the kid is so wonderful. And we did have great moms and dads. But I also taught at AFI in the master's program for six years. I taught directly directors and writers there um, for a long time. And that was very successful. And I'm still working with a lot of those directors. Oh, that's amazing. So were that, you, that were, was, you, were you instructing them on how to um, work with actors? I assume. Yep. Is that right? That's how it started. Rick Rosenthal, who, who directed Halloween two had gone to AFI and he decided they needed it. And so he created the program and pitched me as the teacher. And then it ended up being very successful. They, and then they added the writers, then the producers would sit in on my class and everybody wanted to, because um, actors, a, a lot of time directors don't understand actors and they don't understand. Uh, they just want to work with their camera shots and you have to say to them, no, this is a human being in front of you. And if you're lucky, you can pull everything out of them and make it sensational. And it was it was very good. Now, Brian Donnelly, who's a very successful director and executive producer of uh, Queer as Folk and In the Dark, he and I have gotten together and we're now teaching directors again. So it's it's been really it's been really. And we did it on Zoom first (laughs) again. The famous Zoom. Right. <laughs> so I'm sure you're seeing young adults and, and older adults and everybody, you know, every week coming in and saying, I want to give this a try or I just graduated with my theater degree or I didn't. And, you know, there we assume, you know, being here that everybody knows a little bit about a little bit. They don't. So I'm wondering, again, to put you on the spot, if you don't mind, what would you for somebody wanting to get more involved? acting class what what are a couple things that they would need to prepare with just in terms well they have to love movies because if you come to study with me you're going to be watching a lot of movies i'm like scorsese and quentin tarantino i'm not as talented as them but i'm like them in that um i require my students to watch a lot of film you've got to as, as DiCaprio said, we stand on the shoulders of the legends that came before us. So you've got to do some research. And so we watch, we watch a film every week and then we watch and then they have a film that they're assigned. So they have to be able to, uh, and sometimes read a book. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> have you read a book recently? <laughs> and, uh, and, and then I always say just massive curiosity. If you have tremendous curiosity, you can really go very far in this business uh, because you're open, you know, because every set is different. You, I, you know, if you go on a hundred sets, you're going to have a hundred different experiences, a hundred different kinds of directors and ADs and co-stars. You have to be so open and so flexible. Right. You know, you cannot be fixed in what you you have to be just go, okay, you know, bring it on. What is it? And, and I that's would what imagine. I would say. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and to that point, you know, I'm sure you've, you've had a couple of students or, you know, whoever to say, I know everything. I've done this before. I've oh, been a couple, a couple, Gina, a couple. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but you know what I found? This is really weird. I'm going to say this in my beginner class. I have a lot of Gen Z's right now. They're the exact opposite. They are so open. 
And it's my best class. My beginner class is so exciting because I've got all these people who did graduate with theater degrees. Um, You're talking to them. They understand everything you're saying. They ask a question. They don't always know who Steve McQueen or Meryl Streep is, but, you know, you have to clue them in a little bit. Um, But uh, other than that, uh, but they're so good. And I I welcome the Gen Zs into my world. Welcome them. They're curious. They're excited. They want to learn. They're they're wonderful. And then my other class, I just make sure I keep people from being jaded because, you know, you can't you can't function if you're jaded you can't be miserable and unhappy and they hate me and it's not going to work do you know what I mean you just got to be as uh, on fire as possible and that I'm an on fire teacher I'm a person who says let's and I do a lot of productions you know uh, I was fortunate I won two NAACP awards for directing Shakespeare with music and um, and I do the production so that people can and that's how I met your you know, that's how I met Mr. Chris from uh, L.A. Magazine. He came to that's one right. of our productions. And, uh, yeah, and 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 uh, I do it so that people can see them. You got to get seen. You got to someone's got to know you're out here. Yeah. You thank know? you. Yeah, because you, yeah. you do. And what about you, Gina? Are you an actress? Were you an actress? I was. I was. You're so beautiful. Oh, oh my God. You. This is filtered. Thank you. This video. No, Thank you. But yeah, and that's why I'm so curious about what the scene is like now, because when I moved here, I still had to go down and get my backstage West and do all my, you know, my mailings. And Remember all over. that? Yeah, it's <laughs> over. Yeah, no, you you can still do your mailings. It's funny. I went to a party last night for a very important manager in town. His name is Chris Rowe. And he manages like Malcolm McDowell and a bunch of all, all kinds of people. And a casting director who I love, Ivy Eisenberg, comes running up to me. And she's talking to me about, uh, you know, everything. And I introduced her to an actor that was with, that had driven me. And um, we were talking about this very thing, how everything has changed. but. If you are willing to just, you know, be flexible, you know, it's going to work for you. It's going to work. You know, so, you know, you just have to be, you cannot go into the the world of, you know, if you work in a restaurant and everybody says, oh, it's who you know, and blah, 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 uh, you get depressed. Uh, Stay away from the people who are going to depress you. Find the happy people. I don't know where they are, but find them. (laughs) <laughs> the hairless podcast. <laughs> I'm, curious, uh, yeah, Lord, I'm curious, Gloria, of people who either are new to town or new to uh, apply to your your uh, your acting class or whatever it is. What level of readiness are they like? Not ready for like prime time. You know what I'm saying? Like, are they new to the game, or is this someone who like you know they're good, a good looking uh, high school kid? Who's like, hey, you should be an actor. Or they committed to the craft or somewhere in between? Everything. I have everything. I have people who've come to me in their 40s and they're working. I have people who've come to me. I have a, a little 20, you know, like a little 22. I've had a 22 year old who just started with me. I, I, if he's not on a, you know, on a soap in a year, I'll be in shock. Um there, it, 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 the readiness is your flexibility and your curiosity. If you're open, because I am a, a zigzag teacher, and what I mean by that is, if you want something that is like, this is how it's going to be. Every week is going to be the same. Uh, this is the curriculum. Uh, that's not me. 
Um, I will adjust and adapt and whatever's happening in the business, I'll apply it to our classes. And, uh, you know, I keep everybody, we talk about the business of the business all the time. It's not show art, it's show business. And you have to be, you know, you have to get your networking out there, not through parties, but, you know, through the old fashioned way sometimes, Gina, which is now the old fashioned through email. Right, okay. right. And, you know, sending, a, you know, it, it's so they get, they get new agents through Rapunzel, you know, this way to get everything. Well, and it's so refreshing to hear a teacher and maybe I'm just being maybe I'm projecting, but to hear a teacher say over and over again, you've got to change with the times. You've got to be flexible. You've got to learn to pivot you do. because, because you I do. feel like. In my you experience do. and in other people's experience, well, I, I'm with this teacher, but they're just stuck in this old way. And you are, you seem to be the opposite. No, I bring the past into now and right. then I use the now. It's right. both. You, you see what I mean? It's yes. like you can't ignore the past. You must use it. Um, you know, we've brought, so, I mean, Mark Hamill has come and talked at my school, uh, Joe Montaigne, uh, Juliette Lewis, uh, the entire, you know, all kinds of people. I bring them there. They talk at Michael Beach, who I love, a fantastic black actor. Um, and I bring them to the school and they talk and this it's, it's, they tell their story and they tell their past and they tell you how hard they work. Yeah. It's a work ethic. You know, Chris asked me a question. He said, can you tell if someone has talent or whatever? And I said, look, talent is irrelevant. Drive is everything. If, if, if you have the most talented person in the world and they not, they're not willing to do the work, they're never moving anywhere. And if you get a person who's like medium, medium talented, but they're willing to do that work and not, they're going to move. It's going to happen. Last night I was coaching a young man at midnight. I went to a party and then I, at midnight I came home and I had to coach him because he had a chemistry read for a job this morning. I was impressed with him that he wanted to do the coaching and that he was, you know, it, it, it's just the way I want people to be on fire. And I hope it went well for him. The casting director had already sent a letter to his manager saying, where did you find this guy? He's so wonderful, you know? And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping all these things, and it was all on zoom. That's incredible. Not in person. They don't even know he's six foot two, you know, <laughs> uh, six foot two from Texas. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> and, you know, just an all American boy, um, you know, but I, I would say, Brian, and answer your question is that if they come uh, ready to do whatever is asked um, and they, they leave their, um, you know, Look, remember Harry Potter and they said the muggles? Muggles are the people who are not in the business. You right. cannot listen to muggles. And muggles have the most advice in the world. Yeah. Okay. They're the ones that are always going, you know what I would do? You know what? No, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> we say no. Forget the muggles and go to people who are experienced and who are experts and learn from experts. Uh, that's just the way it has to be. Brian, are you an actor too? Uh, thank you very much for flattering me, uh, but uh, no, I've never acted. Never really had the bug. You never had it? It never came up, that thrill? I enjoy, you know what, I'll meet you halfway and say I enjoy performing in as much as I love doing this podcast. I've been podcasting or broadcasting since 2006. So, yeah, I guess in that sense, 
it is kind of performing. Uh, yeah, it is performing. Yeah. Character, but yeah, I enjoy enjoy yeah. that very much. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's very exciting. Do you do this every day? Not anymore. We used to. We used to. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For many, many years. Um, and I, I, we could talk to you forever because you have so much going on. Uh, but I do want to ask you, um, before we, before we have to go back to our sad little lives, yours is very exciting. Ours isn't. Um, you, there's a quote, I think, from you saying, I teach you how to be an actor, but I also teach you how to be a person because you're stuck with the character and the character is stuck with you. Yeah. That's I, a Stanislavski that. thing. Oh, can you please elaborate on that? Sure. You are stuck with the character. It's Meryl Streep says it. Everyone says it. You you can't go in there and transform yourself into somebody else. It's always going to be you. Right. So whatever you came from, whatever you learned, what whatever's inside of you, that's why you keep working on you with books and music and, and museums and uh, concerts or whatever to keep growing and, and, and becoming more. That's what you're going to pull from. That's where your imagination is going to come from to pull from to create that character. Um, and so that's what you're going to do. And then but it's always going to be you. We're always going to see you somewhere in there. You've never seen even Meryl Streep, who's brilliant, and you feel like you don't see her in Sophie's Choice. You see her. She's still there. It's her so soul. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's why, yes, you are stuck with the character. And so I work on people becoming better people. Look, you know, we can be a little bit more generous. We can be a little more kind. Uh, there are lots of people who've come to study with me who uh, still communi- communicate with me years later all on Facebook, I must have like at least a former, like a thousand former students that are always reaching out to me. And then there are people who didn't get it, were very unhappy. They didn't make it and they got to blame somebody, but you can't blame anybody except yourself because you're stuck with the character and the character is stuck with you. And if you can't, if you don't make it happen, it's because you didn't make it happen. And, and that is a hard thing to take responsibility for. It's hard. But it's the truth. It's Kobe Bryant will say would have said it to you. And, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino will say it and Meryl will say it and everybody says it. It's you keep working on yourself. Keep reading a book. Keep keep learning things. Keep growing. Uh, Einstein said you learn until the day you die. And that's what you have to do. You know, you have to keep learning. So you must learn a lot doing this podcast because you're meeting all kinds of people. So you see, you're just growing. That's right. No, thank you. And what a, what a, what a wonderful note to end on that I know applies to every, let me rephrase it, should apply to everybody. You don't have to be an actor. You don't have to be in the entertainment industry. That's right. Growing. There is not a day that goes by that you don't have an opportunity to grow. And that, and that's it. And if and, and and don't blame other people. And be so grateful. Be grateful because I know everybody. It sounds hackneyed now, you know, gratitude, gratitude. But honestly, it really you got to be grateful because, um, you know, we only have first world problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not functioning. We're not battling people in on our hometown, and rockets aren't blowing us up, and we aren't, you know, we aren't, uh, you know, in the streets yet. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, is we have our first world problems and, um, and we just have to be grateful that that's all we have. You know, that that's all we have. I always say that to my students. I say, you're in Hollywood. My God, you got here. Okay. You got here. And you got the whole world ahead of you. You know, it's a great, it's a great thing. 
Well, so well said. Gloria, thank you so much. Um, this is, of course, uh, oh, I think we're getting a little extra, little extra music. Um, where, where is the best place for people to reach out to you? Uh, ggcreate at aol.com. Can you believe it? AOL. Ha ha. Didn't change. Nice. Uh, ggcreate at aol.com. And they Perfect. can, you know, talk to us about getting an interview or coming to the class or we have some open open classes that we've been doing and yeah, uh, yeah from what i that's the best way to reach me and you do allow uh i could be wrong but you do allow some auditing i think we've just opened it up a little bit to some auditing i used to do okay. a lot of like a big open class with food right. i don't have time for that now so uh <laughs> now it's just come on in and watch me you like it you like it you don't like it move on, go to somebody else. You know, that's it. Well, Gloria, <laughs> thank you so much from one GG to another GG. Uh, oh, thank yes. You. Thank you again. Um, it is a pleasure to talk to BB you. BB and GG. I'm that's so impressed right. with you. That's right. We're B squared and G squared. Um, you guys can always find us, of course, on social media at Bald Brian at Gina Grad. Please like and subscribe. Leave a nice review. Again, we like constructive compliments. Uh, leave your constructive criticism for, I don't know, something else. Uh, so thanks again. And thank you, Gloria. And we'll thank you both again. very, very much. And I have, I'm having a party next week. Maybe you'll come. Ooh, uh, I'll send you an email. Please. Then you get to see the space and meet some other people and maybe get some more people for podcasts. I, I have all kinds of people in my class that are on soaps and everything. Okay? Nice. This is nice amazing, Gloria. Okay, Thanks, thank you. Gloria. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Brian and Gina Show. To get in touch with the hosts or buy their books, hit them up at at baldbrian and at Gina Grad on Twitter and Instagram or by email at podcasts at lamag.com. To get connected with LA Magazine, hit them up at at LA Mag on Twitter and Instagram. Talk soon.